Looks great today. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, good to hear. So um, we've got uh, Dr. Brad Tanner back on the show today. Yeah, excited to have him back because I don't think people understand how advanced the stuff that Brad is doing is. You know, every time I run into him, even as involved, involved in this practice as I am, um, he, he tells me something new that he's doing. I go, really? You're, you're doing that? I mean, it's just, it's amazing what they're doing in a horse's mouth. Yeah, I see a lot of them around the hospital and say, oh, what are you doing today, Brad? And then he rattles off this procedure, um, which sounds really complicated and is definitely above yeah. my pay scale. But uh, he's one of the few boarded equine dentists in the country, and he's practicing at a level that I think probably few people in the world Very are. Very few. Yep, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I'm very interested to see what he's going to tell us today about the reconstructive uh, procedures he can actually do on a horse's teeth. Because once upon a time, if there's something wrong with a horse's tooth, you just pull it. Right. Yep. And it actually turns out that a lot of these things can be saved. And as horses are living so long now, this is really important to have that good mouth of teeth for as long as possible. Exactly. So let's get him in here. I'm, I'm excited to see some of the stuff he has ready for us today. Yeah, absolutely. So on stall side this week, we're talking to Dr. Brad Tanner about reconstructive dentistry and the horse. If you like what you hear and see, be sure to refer us to your friends and remember to hit that like button and subscribe to our channel. We've done a lot of great episodes already that you may need to catch up on with more just around the corner. One last reminder, nothing you hear on the podcast should be construed as veterinary advice, which should only come from a veterinarian with whom you have a relationship. Dr. Tanner, welcome back to Stallside. Yep. Thanks, 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 thanks for, for being having with me again today. Yeah. Yeah. So Brad, um, just for anybody that didn't catch your first talk, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, veterinarian here at Rudin Riddle. Been here for, well, since 2005. So since I was a newbie out of school, um, still had that new vet smell. Um, <laughs> still enjoy it. Love working here. Love all my colleagues. Uh, love kind of pushing the uh, dental side of our practice, uh, boarded in uh, equine dentistry and oral surgery. So uh, that's a huge focus in my practice and uh, uh, what really drives me. Talking about the services off the Rude and Riddle, um, could you just uh, give us a general overview of what, what you can have done for your horse when you bring them here? Sure. I'm glad you asked that. Um, you know, when people think about dentistry, honestly, I would think most owners would think about floating teeth because it's one of those check boxes. You got to deworm your horse. You got to float the teeth, call the farrier, get the feet trimmed. There's just certain little boxes, good, good animal husbandry. And, uh, and so I'm one of those boxes, right? So uh, obviously you've got to float teeth, but here at Root and Riddle, we are a specialty practice in every sense of the word, uh, whether it's internal medicine, surgery, um, podiatry, uh, in all aspects of what we do, diagnostic imaging. So dentistry is really no different. Um, we're uh, very lucky to be able to offer many services. Um, so the field of dentistry, no different than human dentistry. We have endodontics working inside the tooth, like root canals, vital pulp therapies, you know, teeth that are broken, th teeth that are diseased, but maybe they don't need to come out. Maybe there's things we can do. Um, there's periodontics, so gum disease, a uh, huge problem in dogs, cats. It's a huge problem in horses too, um, largely undiagnosed and uh, spoke, about that, spoke about that previously with you guys. Um, orthodontics, you know, we all spent some money on kids getting uh, oh, T3 yeah. aligned, braces. That's not cheap. Uh, that's a racket, right? The, the color has just gone out of uh, Bart's face. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, he got pale all of a sudden. He's got more, <laughs> yeah. he's got more kids than I do. So, uh, you know, we do some orthodontics as well, you know, particularly overbites, um, mm -hmm. you know, parrot mouths. It, it can be an issue. And so uh, there's some correct, corrective procedures we do. We offer some consultation and, and some things we can do with that. Um, imaging. You know, we're a huge hospital with a lot of capabilities. And sometimes looking inside the horse's head is really complicated. And, you know, we've got this long head with sinus cavities full of air and gas. And then the enamel of the tooth, which is the hardest substance in the animal's body, you're trying to image a hard substance next to gas. The algorithms of uh, digital radiography do not play well with that at all. So we've got a, a CT unit. And, and in fact, we've got a standing CT unit, one of the greatest ones in the world. And uh, it provides amazing diagnostic ability. But we also have the ability to MRI. MRI is really helpful looking at the pulp inside the tooth itself. And then sometimes we'll use a bone scan. Sometimes we're trying to find something a little bit different around a tooth or just find issues with pole with, with bidding because some of what we do, what we're doing sometimes is working with the trainer, you know, the source isn't holding collections, source isn't taking the bit. We're having trouble in the, with our performance source. <clears throat> so, uh, that's a lot, a lot of what we do. Um, and then obviously surgery, you know, I'm an oral surgeon, so I'm taking out teeth. I'm inside sinuses. We're doing uh, sinus trepanation, sinus flaps, scoping, um, intraoral wiring for jaw fractures. There's a lot of things we do. Um, one of the things we do that's really unique is kind of the, the restorative dentistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so on medicine, we'll get these horses that come in, maybe they lost weight, or maybe they're shaking the head, you know, as opposed to being a head shaker, two completely different things. And the dental part of it is such a major thing because some of these horses, that's where the problem is. They don't have like bad systemic disease, losing weight. They actually have a problem in their mouth and they're just not eating. Or the horse is very difficult to ride because it actually has, no, I'm trying to tell you I have a sore tooth or I'm leading to a sinus infection because of the sore tooth. And it's not anything more than that. And it's one of those cases of just doing the basics really well, looking in the horse's mouth. And you gave us a great outline there of everything that's offered at Root and Riddle, but you want to talk to us today about something that's very specialized. Sure. Um, and that, and I, I appreciate the involvement with the other services. It's something really great about our hospital. Everyone works really well with their own strengths. And we've, we've helped the medicine out a number of times with, with those yeah. types of cases. But today specifically, I really want to talk about restorative dentistry. You know, restorative dentistry is a little bit of a buzzword in the human field. And, and it's uh, probably a surprise to a lot of listeners that we can do restorative procedures for our horses. Um, I really got into this because it's an opportunity to save teeth, right? Or it's an opportunity to save the function of a horse's mouth. You know, we're talking about an animal who will chew preferentially 16 hours a day. Um, I'm a grazer. I don't always eat. <laughs> uh, I don't always eat uh, my three meals. Um, I'll snack in between. But 16 hours—that's a lot of chewing. That's a lot of chewing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's interesting you say that because it's like a paradigm shift. Like once upon a time, you had the horse. The horse's teeth just got to the point where they weren't good anymore, and they just got pulled out. But horses live a lot longer than they used to, and they need those teeth for a lot longer than people once upon a time thought that they did. And so you're right. We've got to save these teeth for the good of the horse. Well, but not, not only that, you know, Brad, as you alluded to earlier, a lot of, a lot of owners think of um, oral care as being floating teeth. Mm -hmm. A lot of veterinarians think of that too. And, and I don't know what kind of training you got in vet school, but mine was an afternoon lab, right? Yeah. So I, I think so much has changed over the past 20, 30 years, whatever it is, 10 years, a lot's changed in the last five or 10 years. So there's, there's just so much more that we can do now. You know, the most surprising thing you just said that he actually went to vet school. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say he finished. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was just to eat his lunch. I wasn't sure, but I think he's turned out. Okay. I, I, I would say so. <laughs> I, I think Pierre straightened you up. Yeah. Yeah. Now, good point. I mean, historically speaking, we, 
we were not trained real well in the field of dentistry because yeah. there was no field of dentistry. It was floating teeth, yeah. right? Digital radiography changed everything. It really did. Having the ability to take images in the field and reevaluate them, that changed everything. And then we got equipment that was safer where we didn't lose fingertips trying to open horses mouths. Yeah. Safer sedation was a huge part of that, right? We used to be a little bit more big of a deal to sedate a horse. Sure. Um, now we do it routinely, always take precautions, but uh, something we do on a daily basis. Yeah. I, I don't know how you would do what you do without access to good standing sedation yeah. because it's very dangerous in there. I agree. I want to keep, I want to keep all 10, yeah. all well, 10 of these digits. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you show us some stuff you're yeah. doing? Yeah. yeah. I got a, got a picture here. And so, uh, you know, back to the education and training, you know, getting these images, um, being able to look inside the horse's mouth, it's huge, right? I mean, you got to be able to open the mouth up, put a bright light in there of some sort. The images I'm going to show, um, here's one right here. These are endoscopic. So this is what I do routinely, put in an endoscope inside the horse's mouth, magnifying, looking at all surfaces of the tooth. And so if you look here in the image, you know, anytime you're looking at a horse's mouth, this chewing surface, the occlusal surface, there shouldn't be feed shoved in the middle of the tooth. That's <clears throat> pretty simple. You don't have to go to vet school. Um, you don't have to sleep at a Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> that, that, uh, that should not be what happens. And so there's a green circle just popped up here on the screen for those who are uh, able to see this rather than listening. Um, you know, that's circling a cavity. That's in the center of the tooth. Um, it's a unique part. You know, the horse's teeth are very different than ours. Um, and they'd have to be. To chew 16 hours a day, we would, our teeth wouldn't last, right? Our tooth is done growing by the time we finish puberty. You know, just toss 18 years of age out there for, for an example. We're done. We're brachiodonts. That tooth is done. Their teeth is called hypsodont. It's a hypsodontal tooth. So it's very long and it's constantly erupting. So when that horse is uh, three, four years old, the, the tooth inside of his skull is four inches long. That, that's a long that tooth. Is long. I've removed mm -hmm. many of them. That's a long tooth. The part that's actually outside the that the horse is chewing on is usually less than a half inch. So if you're trying to take one of those out, it's like taking a fence post, breaking it off next to the ground and saying, here you go, son, you know, yeah. uh, pack a lunch. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, that image, I mean, not everybody's going to have the ability to see the occlusal surface like that. Because if you're looking at that horse's mouth from the outside, there's no way that you could see that. So that's that endoscope that you're talking about. That just adds so much more to what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And you can do this with you can do this with a dental mirror. If, yep. if you're skilled and used to looking in a mirror, uh, you can use this as a dental mirror. But but these are cavities, you know. And I've got a uh, here's a picture of just what it looks like as we're doing our examination. You know, this is. Uh, I'd love to tell you I'm working hard, but I'm sitting down here and uh, driving an endoscope in a horse's mouth. But you can see it projected on a screen, right? And uh, we can get as close as we want and, and magnify and gives us a great opportunity to examine every part of this horse's mouth, you know, so we don't miss anything because the anatomy is really complicated. You know, the inside the tooth itself, it, it's, uh, you know, there's some really good work that I've shown here that's uh, out of Austria. And some researchers showed how complicated the blood supply is inside the tooth itself. You know, there's five to six pulp horns in every tooth. And the way those pulp horns communicate in the blood supply to the tooth um, is important if you're going to start working inside the tooth. And for years, we didn't have this information. So we just did all of our work with filing away on the outside of the tooth or taking the tooth out. But once we started understanding inside the tooth the way our human dentists do, it just opened up a whole world of, of uh, opportunities for us. So um, right there is two large blue, um, looks like, I don't know, maybe Lake Superior and uh, Lake Erie. You guys might have better uh, <laughs> analogies than me. <laughs> but those are, those were the cavities form. Uh, the horse's 
tooth was made just really weird. Um, in the very center of this, this is the last part of the tooth to develop. And for some reason, they don't always develop properly. Um, it's like having layers of stucco. And if you miss a layer, you end up with an area of, of gas or, or a, a gap. And these horses' teeth, 80% of them will have a gap somewhere, a void in the middle of that tooth. Um, most of the time, it's not a problem. But when it does become a larger void, that's where those images I showed you come into account. That's where feed gets shoved in there. Well, then it's no different than you or I. You know, the bacteria starts setting up. If you don't brush, you don't floss. I'm going to be that parent. If you don't brush, you don't floss. Uh, bacteria is going to set up. The pH of your oral cavity around that tooth is going to get down to about 4.5. So then you get tooth decay. So that's what those images really were showing was tooth decay. That's yeah. what all that black area was. Yeah. yeah. So that that picture of that tooth that you showed, it looks very complex. How does that compare to like uh, a human molar? Oh, it's uh, infinitely more complicated. Um, human molar, molar has got, um, it's got a biclave surface. It's got undulations on it. You've got to have a chewing surface. The horse is made to grind its food um, and chew like a herbivore because it is a herbivore, right? And it is chewing all the time. So the enamel actually goes across the chewing surface to give the, the more strength to the tooth. Well, enamel is like peanut brittle. It's really, it, peanut brittle is hard, but it's easy to snap. Enamel is exactly like peanut brittle. So you have to put a product called cementum, another mineral around it to support it. So cementum sounds like cement. It is like cement. It's just holding the enamel again uh, together. That is not how our teeth is made, are made at all. Um, so it's just uh, complete different. The, min the minerals are the same, enamel, dentin, and cementum. But the way they're organized is completely different. Mm. And some of it goes haywire sometimes, just like their guts apparently aren't made right sometimes. Yeah. Uh, same thing with the tooth. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll show you, uh, th this is kind of, we look at these cavities, use the endoscope and try to try to grade them and stage them. And, and uh, nobody here is going to get an exam later, so we won't talk about this too long. But, but at some point, the tooth is going to break. And so if it's a young enough horse and it meets certain classifications and we decide that this is a good one to do a restoration on, a restorative procedure, then the idea is you would, you would treat this tooth rather than let it break and potentially cause a sinus infection or cause a problem for the horse. And so this is what that looks like. You know, the picture on the left here with the blue arrows, there's actually a high-speed drill that I'm using to burr out the decay. So uh, this would have been black, nasty, shoved full of feed. Um, I'm using a, a burr no different than what your human dentist would use. It's just a slightly larger size. It's a number eight instead of a number four uh, burr that a human dentist would use on a human handpiece to burr out a cavity in our mouth. So if you've ever been at the dentist office and you heard that sound, that's the same exact thing. I'm Too using many whole, times. Uh, it's not pleasant. No. Yeah. So the, so the other thing about this is for horses, these are not near the nerves. I was going to ask yeah. if, if you have to block yeah. them and yeah. get the pain. So we do a lot of nerve blocks, but for this, we don't need to. Okay. These are outpatient procedures, you know, very routine procedure. Unfortunately, not enough people in this country are doing them. It's, it's very unusual. Not, not a lot of people are doing them right now. Training's kind of lagged behind. But uh, in the future, you're going to see more and more of this. This is something we've been doing in this practice for the last six years, seven years now, I guess. And so um, uh, the picture to the right shows the restorative going in. This is a restorative no different than what might be in my mouth or anybody else who's had cavity fillings done. These are all human products. Uh, they, they acclimate really well in the horse's mouth, and they do hold up to the attrition of chewing, which is really important. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned about the tooth breaking. Does it like shear horizontally 
or does it split vertically? Both can happen. Um, typically what happens is it will shear vertically. So when it shears vertically, it either shears in one of two areas. One is through the two pulp horns on the outside or three pulp horns on the, on, towards the inside, towards the palate, or right down the middle where these cavities form. And so it's, it's a split between the two. The ones that are going to split over the pulp horns, there's nothing we currently have to stop that. Um, that's an area for future research, future development, exciting area of medicine. What we have now is the ability to stop the ones that split right up the middle. And so that's where these lesions are directly in the middle of those upper teeth. So when you fill those cavities, what the, the filling material, does it wear at the same rate as the rest of the tooth? It does. It was really um, concerning. I'd say we started doing these around 2015, 2016. It was very concerning which product was going to, because mm -hmm. there's nanofills, there's microfills, there's all these different products that are available in human medicine, bulk fills, single layers. It, it's very complicated, a whole science. And we have, there are dental specialists who are just endodontists. That's all they do is work inside a horse's tooth, right? Or sorry, human's tooth. Horses, we don't have this. We got, right. you got a dentist and you're lucky to have one of 20 boarded dentist in the country, right? So it's uh, we're just not that specialized yet. It's a huge area of growth for us, but we're lucky to have enough research at this point to show that, yes, it'll wear at the same rate as the surrounding cementum. Now, enamel is the hardest substance. We don't need anything that hard in there because mm -hmm. we're the concern is you're going to cause shear forces mm -hmm. of your own. So it does wear an, attri an attrition rate the same as the surrounding cementum. Gotcha. Yeah. That's an awesome question. Yeah. So um, carry on with the cavity filling and what comes next. Yeah. You know, in an ideal world, you, you locate it, you identify it early in this horse's life. You know, let's say a horse less than 15 years old. Um, if it is deemed to be deep enough or aggressive enough, you monitor it over a, maybe a couple of visits, six months apart. And then you have a conversation with your owner and say, hey, you know, this is trending the wrong direction. Um, are you comfortable taking a chance? This may break. This may go the wrong way. Um, or here's an opportunity, we can do a cavity filling, a restoration, and we can assure it's not going to be a problem for you. So the, so the cavities are not painful then? For they the, are right? not. So, so it's, it's more just you're worried about the function, that longevity is, of the tooth? That is correct. It's not painful until it breaks. That, that is correct. <laughs> not all of them are going to break. So yeah. it's just an honest conversation you have to have with the owner. Gotcha. Like everything we do in practice, you know, yep. mm -hmm. share the information. That's what you come here for. You yep. get it'll get an answer. And, uh, we share the information with you and you have to make the decision. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, the next thing I wanted to talk about, if it's okay with you yeah. guys, was uh, oral fistulas. And, uh, and this is a, this has been around forever. These have been problems for a long time. This is when the tooth, a lot of times this is when the tooth's already gotten infected and it's draining out the side of the face or the side of the head mm -hmm. or into the sinus. Yep. And now there's something really nasty come smelling. Because that's when the owners call you, right? Yeah. They call you when the horse can't walk and he's holding his leg up or something stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call me for the foot abscess, but uh, the something stinking I can hand, help you with, right? And so this is a whole lot of, a whole lot of what we do um, is, you know, there's a picture here now that just shows uh, this is an endoscope inside the mouth looking down with a, with a little guide wire through the endoscope. And you guys are familiar with that, a wire you'd use to go into a guttural pouch. Mm -hmm. But it goes down this tooth socket, and, and there was a, a jaw fracture here. We'd known about the jaw fracture. It had formed a bone callus, but the tooth got infected and broken at the same time. So we ended up having to remove two teeth. Well, anytime you take out two teeth, you've got a large hole. 
in this horse's mouth. The horse is chewing constantly, and it's hard to keep feed material out of there. And you've got this draining tract that goes through the jaw fracture out the side of the face. And uh, that's a conundrum. Um, and so I've got a couple of innovative things that we've come up with to try to solve problems just like this, because the easy ones are going to treat themselves, just stay out of the way. And, and I think that's probably true of foot abscesses and breeding mares and yep. lots of things that we do, right? Yep. Um, but but these, it's the, it's the more complicated ones that get us thinking and working together with teams and like-minded folks here at the hospital that really makes it very, what we do, very exciting. That's a zoomed-in image of the, of the jaw fracture. But uh, this is, for the longest time, this is what we've used to take when we take out teeth is we we got to plug that hole with something, right? So if you just take out a tooth, whether it was infect, whether it was infected for any various reasons, maybe it was a cavity that tooth got sheared and broke and got rotten and it had to be taken out, um, you know, we use either use dental base plate wax. So it's just a wax you toss in hot water, mold it, you make a – whatever you want out of it, but we'll put that in there as a placeholder. Um, it's designed to come out in a couple of weeks. Sometimes we'll use a sticker product. This is impression material. So this is what they would actually use around our, well, not, that's actually not true. Now they would use lasers and they would scan our teeth like they would when they create Invisaligns, if they were trying to make an impression of our teeth. But we're all old enough to remember having gagging with stuff in our mouth as they uh, right. put the impression down and you feel like it's in the back of your throat. Yeah, that was some of it. <laughs> Those are the days. <laughs> so this is that stuff, right? And so uh, we make this two-part material, same as what a podiatrist would use on the bottom of a foot around for frog support, mm -hmm. impression material. And so we'll put this in place. And so it does a really good job of bonding and shaping to the tooth socket, the, the actual shape of the tooth socket. But sometimes these don't stay in place. You know, that, that case I was talking about where you had two teeth in this horse's mouth missing side yep. by side, that's a huge gap. Those teeth are wide and long and... It's hard to put a big old wad of bubble gum in there and expect it to stay. And, uh, and it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I'll fast forward to the end. It doesn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. Uh, <laughs> so we had to get a little bit creative. So uh, what I've done is uh, found a way to create crowns. Um, and when I say crowns, you, we think in human dentistry, um, a crown is meant for us to have a pretty tooth where we didn't have one or one was broken or missing. Um, and we chew on it. Um, horse is a little bit different. We haven't gotten there yet. I'm not going to say we won't get there, but um, there's some things to overcome, hurdles and, and future studies for that. But currently when I say crown, I'm, I'm thinking it does look like a crown, but it's not down into the chewing surface. So it doesn't come all the way down where the other teeth are, but it's a placeholder. It fills in the space, the gap, so that feed doesn't get shoved in there and just sit and rot while we're waiting for the tissue to heal. Because we take these teeth out, we want it to just fill in with normal gum, you know, healthy tissue all the way up to the gum line. And they do, if you can gotcha. get rid of some of the infection. So this is what we came up with. I uh, Nobody showed me how to do this. We just did an impression. I had a had a mentor who was doing crown bridges a little bit different. So I, uh, you know, made a modified technique because I don't have the time of day that he does to sit and spend two or three hours making these. So uh, I got more courses to look at before the day's over. So uh, made a made a mold and a negative impression of the tooth socket and then poured it full of uh, crown bridge material. So on the image on the right, you know, the top is that big bulky blue impression material. Below it is a is an actual proper crown that will fit perfectly up into that tooth socket. And then I bond it and attach it to the tooth in front and the tooth behind. So um, 
here it is, diagnostic, uh, uh, here's endoscopic images. And the picture on the left shows this two socket. It's hard to tell two dimensionally. This thing was three and a half inches tall. If you look at the surface of it, it was really narrow. It had started healing. The sides had healed in really nicely, but the top just would not. And it wouldn't because there was too much bone missing. If you have more than one inch of bone missing, these things are a devil. And uh, this was Lucifer. So, uh, okay. so uh, you know, the picture in the middle shows the, uh, the actual uh, crown placement uh, and bonding. The one on the right is, is a follow-up. And it uh, looks like it was about four weeks later. Uh, the horse had done some chewing, some eating, and it was staying in rock solid and just worn away some of the thin layers. But uh, uh, it stayed in place, did perfectly. Um, I took that one out last month, and it was completely healed. So um, they can stay in there permanently, or they can be taken out once everything is healed. Um, the ones that are a little bit more hard are the ones like I showed with the jaw fracture. This is the one that had the jaw fracture, two teeth missing. And this doesn't do it justice looking at the image. Um, it was four fingers long. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, this was uh, a large space, um, very healthy tissue everywhere, except at the very bottom where the bone was. And so um, did some work on that. That was a surgical approach. But then we had to make sure we didn't get a bunch of feed shoved down in there or we we're going to be in the same boat again. So uh, did the same thing, used the same techniques, created a, a crown bridge. And we were able to uh, bond this in, put it in place. This one I left in permanent. And this horse had drained. The horse was shipped in from out of state. Um, it had had four different surgical procedures before it came to us. It had seen six different veterinarians. Um, lucky number seven, I guess. And, uh, and so uh, spoke with the owner and, and uh, worked on this horse off and on for uh, three different visits. And we got this horse squared away and we got a Christmas card. So okay. excellent. Be, that's, that's good. That's gotta be something, right? That is. <laughs> so that's some um, pretty impressive stuff. I mean, there's a lot of thought that goes into this and you mentioned there's really not too many people that do this, but you mentioned that some people overseas. So where is a lot of this knowledge coming from? Who's leading? Yeah, no, it's a good point. You know, we're, we're, we're pushing forward. You know, I would say in this country, we are leading the way. We're really pushing forward, being as innovative as we can possibly be, just like we are in a lot of other fields in this practice. But as you look overseas and abroad, um, there's a good bit of information that's coming out of Germany, Austria, uh, specifically endodontics in England. There's a couple of practices in England that are really uh, publishing great information that we're all, we, we collaborate together, we speak together, we, go to, we speak at the same national meetings together, and uh, just a ton of valuable information coming out of England right now that's helping us do a better job to, to help a lot of horses save a lot of teeth. And you made a good point earlier about, you know, imaging, right? Because once upon a time, the horse's mouth was just this long, dark cavity that smelled and that's what um, got your attention for it. But now you can actually get some really up close and personal looks at the tooth grossly, you know, like, as you say, like the mirror or those endoscopic pictures are amazing. And then you image like with the CT and even the MRI to look at the, the pulp within the tooth. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive stuff. Pretty Brent. advanced. Yeah. 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 No, we're, we're very, horses are fortunate to be in this area because having access to a CT unit of this quality that can be done standing with no more sedation than you would need just to, you know, clip ears. Yeah. Right? I mean, that, that's all yeah. they need to be just sleep enough that you could clip their ears with some horses. That might be a bad example. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, our, having, being able to take a CT and look inside the horse's teeth 
Oh, it's unreal. I mean, you can tell immediately what's going on. Can I save this? Can I not save this? If I need to do a surgery, what's the best way for me to take this out so I can use a minimally invasive technique that's better for the horse, better for the owner's pocketbook, and a quicker recovery, right? And that's what we're really all about. Yeah. And getting back to the the broken tooth situation um, that you talked about before, you know, like shearing horizontally, that's one thing. But if the tooth actually gets to the point where it is split vertically, is there anything that can be done to save that or is that just automatically removed? Depends on where it's sheared. Okay. Um, the one that's sheared vertically through the center of the tooth, that one's automatically removed. Yep. That one's going to involve the common pulp at the very mm-hmm. top, and so the whole tooth is going to be diseased. The ones that are sheared on the sides, we have the ability to do root canals. Okay. So if we find it as a, at an at a early, a, early stage where we have good quality radiographs or sometimes a good quality CT study, we can look at the actual tooth roots. So there are three roots on those top teeth, two roots on the bottom teeth. If we look at it and there's there's not major, major disease at the depths. So maybe the mm-hmm. tooth the tooth is a disease in the center. We know it's disease, it's broken, there's feed shoved in there. There are things we can do to perform a root canal, which I've done on a number of horses, to save that. But it's it's very time critical in those cases. Now the ones we find right when they broke, usually it's incisors, owners notice mm-hmm. whatever things are bleeding in the front of the mouth. Um, those we can do a vital pulp therapy. We can actually, it's called a pulp capping. We can do a vital pulp therapy, a restoration. I can actually recreate the the shape of the incisor, do a buildup, and give you a, a relatively normal looking incisor when we're done. Um, and that tooth stays healthy, uh, no different than what you and I would do uh, have done on our teeth. But that needs to be done in the first seventy two hours. Yeah, and that actually um, touched on points. You've, you've shown us a lot about molars, right? Because, that, but to know that things can be done with incisors as well is quite surprising because the anatomy is so much different. Correct. And the incisors, we're very fortunate. Incisors are simpler two pulp horns that connect really close to the surface into one common channel. They behave more like a brachiodont tooth. They continue to grow their whole life. They're a hypsodont tooth, but they're much easier to work on, much Mm -hmm. less complicated. And then obviously access is the other thing. Yeah. They're right there in the front. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very easy to reach. We're using human products and we're adapting them to use them in a 1,200-pound animal a lot yeah. of times. Well, a lot of that. Those jaws have a lot of power. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the forces are involved in horses yeah. chewing, like grinding the feed, but even the bite yeah. you know, with those incisors. I mean, I don't know how any material that you can put in there stands up. Right. It's, it's impressive. Well, Brad, this has been fascinating stuff. You know, this restorative dentistry. I mean, this is something that really is sort of on the edge, you know, and it sounds like there's a lot of teeth that could actually be saved and be useful um, for the life of the horse, which, again, as I mentioned before, is extending so much that you know, we just don't want a 30-year-old herd of uh, gummy horses. We've actually got a, ch- <laughs> got a chance they can have that sort of pearly smile into their old age. Yeah, and just something that um, – people can know it's possible, yeah. right? And, and a lot of times uh, there's, there's problems going on that people might not recognize. So it goes back to that thorough dental exam and being, being regular about them. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, these are things that people have for themselves, so they want them for their horses. So we're actually glad you're out there doing that sort of stuff. Puts a pressure on the rest of us to do something, doesn't it? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Brad, thanks for coming in to see us again today. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you being here with us. That was that was great. Thank you, guys. All right. And that was Stallside for this week. We were Dr. Brad Tanner of Rudin Riddle Equine Hospital, Border Dentist, talking about restorative dentistry. See you next time.
Stallside Podcast is brought to you by Rudenriddle Veterinary Pharmacy. As partners in your animal's healthcare, we strive to bring you the highest quality medications, including custom compounds, that are formulated and produced right here in our pharmacy. Along with medications, we also strive to bring you high quality and relevant information, such as that available here on the podcast. So if you like what you hear and see, be sure to refer us to your friends and remember to hit that like button and subscribe to our channel. We've done a lot of great episodes already that you may need to catch up on with more just around the corner. One last reminder, nothing you hear on the podcast should be construed as veterinary advice, which should only come from a veterinarian with whom you have a relationship.